Welcome to the midweek edition and the first edition of this week of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for downloading and listening today. Remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever possible. If you want to get in contact with the show, I am at PrimetimeKlein on Twitter and Instagram, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. The music that you're listening to provided by Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. The focus today is going to be the Canadian Football League. The uh, things kick off on Thursday, which is tomorrow. So we're going to be teeing up the season. A lot of Friday show is going to be dedicated to what's been going on in the NBA and the NHL with a little bit of a UFC preview in there as well. But it's been real quiet on the UFC front as we get ready for a fight card this weekend. So again, thank you very much for listening. Here is our CFL preview show with Three Down Nations, John Hodge. We are on the eve of the start of the CFL season and no one better to break it down with than John Hodge from Three Down nation mr hodge how are you today sir i'm doing great peter thanks for having me on thanks for doing this i I really appreciate it it's a league that i I have great passion for um and so excited to be able to to break it down today um as we come into the the season for the first time in a couple of years i i found it a little difficult to to kind of keep track of everything that was going on uh micah johnson's a writer after not being a writer but playing his last game with the riders um (laughs) it, it was it was quite the thing to kind of keep track of. As someone who was in it every day, I would imagine that it, it was still a lot to try to keep up with the CFL uh, off-season version 2.0. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I live and breathe this league. This is really the only league that I cover. Um, so as you said, I'm in it every day. But but yeah, there, there are a lot of funky twists and turns. Um, you know, we, there are guys who departed for the NFL after really successful 2019 CFL seasons who stuck. There are guys who departed for the NFL and came back. There are guys who came back with the same team. There are guys who came back with different teams. Um, you highlighted Micah Johnson and the, the the hilarity of him leaving Saskatchewan for, you know, after 2019, coming back. The same thing happened in Montreal. Patrick Levels has a sensational season there in 2019. He signs with Hamilton in 2020. Now he's back to Montreal. I've seen a few Ticats fans joke like, oh, I, I guess I shouldn't have bought uh, – guess I shouldn't have bought that Jersey, uh, which is pretty funny. Um, so yeah, it, there's, there's a ton of, uh, minutia, but the thing I would try to just remind fans is like, look, the 2021 season, just like any year is a new year. So right. the 2021 season, if you, if you haven't been following, that's cool. You can hop into it now, take a look at the depth charts. And, uh, before long, we're going to, we're going to forget about the fact that there was the 2020 season. Cause we're just going to be so busy talking about 2021. In terms of kind of handicapping things, and I saw you guys had your your fearless standings predictions up on on three down nation. Um, I have no idea what to do with a lot of these teams because they're like, we've talked about, there's a lot of turnover. You have guys who have missed a year. So that could potentially be some rust, but as we all know, if you've watched a second of football, it kind of sucks to play football sometimes on your body. So having a year of not doing that, um, I I just like, I, I have no idea what this season is going to look like. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, th- there are big questions facing every team and there are also extenuating circumstances, right? You, you've got some players who are sitting out this year. They're not retired, but they're sitting out. You know, probably the most notable one would be Brennan Labatt in Saskatchewan, who's sitting out future Hall of Fame guard. That's really thrown a wrench, I think, into their offensive line. 
Um, and then you've got guys who, again, left for the NFL and came back. You know, Jonathan Kongbo signs uh, Canadian defensive end, signs with the San Francisco 49ers in 2020, comes back up. Well, he, he's carrying NFL weight. He's probably at closer to 270, I understand now, versus, uh, you know, 2019, he's playing at 255. Well, at 270, you're almost more of a defensive tackle in the CFL than an end. So there's all kinds of shifts that have taken place. I mean, some teams have stood pretty well pat. You know, uh, Calgary looks, uh, well, I guess Calgary would be more in the middle, but, but Winnipeg looks very similar to how Winnipeg looked before they went away. Hamilton, you know, is mostly still Hamilton, but like Toronto has, has completely, completely revamped that roster. It's, it's kind of mind boggling actually, just how many changes have taken place there, shifts, twists and turns of that roster. So uh, you're right. And, and I've, I've talked to some people who think that, you know, having a continuity from 2019 is going to be a huge advantage, but I've also talked to some people who say, no, honestly, like it's been so long since 2019. I don't think it's an advantage at all. I think it's a brand new season. So the people I've talked to see, don't seem to have any consensus on that. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see which teams are able to hit the ground running. If it is the teams who have more continuity, if it's the teams who have less or, or if it's a mix and match. Um, just kind of running through the teams here, the, the Stampeders, they, they always seem to lose a bunch of good players and then a bunch of guys come in we've never heard of, and then they finish 14 and four and win the West <laughs> and get to the Grey Cup. It's, I, I've said before, and it's not just because I was on the radio out here for a few years. I, I think they are a perfectly built franchise, but I, I do wonder looking at their roster and everything else that's going on in the West, if this year might be the year we finally start to see a bit of a fall off in Calgary. You know, I, I do. Um, and that is, uh, and you, you make a great point. The, the Calgary Stampeders, there's no question. They've been the flagship team of the CFL for many, many years now, dating back probably till 2008 when, uh, when John Huffnagel came and, and signed on as the head coach general manager there. But, and also, <laughs> you know, over the last few years, if you are someone who predicts the demise of the Calgary Stampeders, you're generally proven wrong come November. Uh, but I do think the team is going to take somewhat of a step back. They've just had such a talent vacuum there. Uh, Eric Rogers is gone. Juwan Braskison is gone. Um, you know, Reggie Bagleton is gone. He's in the NFL. Kamar Jordan's still there, but is he still going to be Kamar Jordan? He hasn't really played in three years due to knee injuries and the cancellation of the season. And on defense, I mean... They, they went out and they picked up Sean Lemon because that defensive line was in really rough shape with injuries. Um, and also guys they've lost. James Waters is in the NFL, you know, linebacking core. I don't, I'm not sure they've ever really replaced Alex Singleton. Corey Green was a good player, but he's always banged up, it seems like. And on the back end, they don't have Trey Roberson, who was maybe the best defensive back in the entire league in 2019. He's still down in the NFL. So I, I do think that, you know, again, recognizing, of course, that uh, it is a fool's errand generally to predict the demise of the Calgary Stampeders. I'm not going to predict their demise, but I, I will say I think that there is a reasonable chance that they will take a step back this year. They're not going to be bad, um, but I think they might just be a 500 football team, which is something that we haven't seen in Calgary for a long time. Right. Like a, a 500 Calgary team. That's like <laughs> someone else going winless. Yeah. So, I, But I think there's a chance we see it. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of good teams in the West, too, that, that can kind of take advantage of it. I, I guess before we go further, for a while, it, it has been the West has been the, the clear dominant division in the CFL. Did you see it that way or is it kind of leveling off a little bit? I mean, the, there's five teams in the West, four in the East. So I think the West always has a little bit of an advantage there. But I think the Ottawa Red Blacks are going to be futile this year. 
Um, I think there's a lot of question marks in Toronto just because of the way in which things need to gel. And with the Montreal Alouettes, you know, that team, they, they were a surprise uh, kind of sleeper team in 2019. They fired their head coach at the end of training camp, um, which I think a lot of people thought was going to be a disaster. It turned out to be a great move. Kahari Jones was sensational. Vernon Adams Jr. came on strong. So, you know, I, I, I definitely think the West is going to be stronger again this year. That has traditionally been true. I think it's something like 10 out of the last 11 years. The West has won, um, you know, nominally more games than, than the East. Um, and I think that will continue. I still think Hamilton is the best team in the CFL, though they are banged up just this morning. On Wednesday, they announced Chris Van Zyl, Ted Laurent, Braylon Addison are all not playing. Tunde Adelike, who's a really underrated defensive back for them as well, is not playing. So I think they might be a little slow to start the season just because of the injuries. But assuming these guys are all back for down the stretch, I still think the Ticats are the best team. But overall, yeah, West Division hands down, in my opinion, is stronger. Uh, Edmonton, I, I believe you had them pegged as the, the top team in the, the, the CFL's West Division. Um, after the, the incredible Scott Milanovic era, uh, we now go into the <laughs> Jamie Elizondo era. That might be the weirdest one, a team that's gone through two yep. coaches since they played last. Um, what, what type of, of, I guess, Edmonton Elk team are we getting with Jamie Elizondo at the helm instead of Scott Milanovic hilariously and uh, Jason Moss before him? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing with Edmonton is just their offensive firepower is unbelievable. I mean, to me, Darrell Walker is the best receiver in the CFL. Uh, Greg Ellingson would would be top five. And Armancy Edwards, I think, is actually the most underrated receiver and maybe player in the CFL. He's He, he very, very quietly had a thousand yards with the Argos in 2019. And I think he's been kind of I think he's been very quiet, partly because he's just played for the Argos. Right. He's never been the SJ Green kind of, you know, second down receiver, but he's, he's able to stretch defenses. And he has an amazing story too. He, he was a, a ridiculously successful college quarterback at a small school. I believe he was at Appalachian state. And the fact that he's ripping it up 10, 12 years later as a receiver in Canada is just crazy. But then their Canadians are sensational as well. They got Tavon Smith, who might be the best Canadian receiver in the CFL. He's really good. And then you got James Wilder Jr. who's coming back and by all accounts has looked fabulous for them in training camp. So you add that into the fact that their offensive line is, is pretty good and their defensive line is very good. Their secondary is strong. Their, their linebacking core is a complete mystery. They're starting a bunch of nobodies there, guys with really no CFL experience. Vontae Diggs was kind of the guy in camp with experience and they cut him. So, you know, the linebacking core is a question mark for me, but outside of that, I just think this team has the potential with Jamie Elizondo, let's not forget running with Trevor Harris, who who was, you know, they, they were a great duo for, for Ottawa, uh, dating back to 17 and 18. I think they had the potential to be sensational. That said, I, I thought they were actually, you know, like a team like Winnipeg in 2019, I thought was more than the sum of their parts. I thought Edmonton was kind of less than the sum of their parts in 2019. So, so they got a bust through that. Uh, first year head coach that might be a little tricky to do. So I, I wouldn't say that I could, you know, I wouldn't encourage anybody to take my prediction to the bank necessarily, but I do think that they, they, they could be really, really good. With Winnipeg, the defending champions, uh, Zach Calero is still undefeated as quarterback of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, as someone who has cheered for Saskatchewan and just watched this league, I, I kind of understand that relying, well, season's going to be great as long as Zach Calero stays healthy. Doesn't always end fantastic, but it really does seem like if he's healthy, this is a very good football team. And if he is not, this team could be in trouble. 
Yes. And, you know, the uh, the backup there is Sean McGuire. And if you're listening to this podcast saying, wait, who the heck is Sean McGuire? The, yeah, everyone else is asking the same question. I feel bad. Uh, Sean McGuire got into, I think it was one game in 2019. He threw two passes, completed one, uh, missed the other. Um, he's, uh, he's a guy who uh, they really seem to like. Um, he had a very successful college career. I don't have this in front of me. I think he played at East Illinois. That's probably wrong, but um, he's, he's a guy who, who they seem very high on. I was in a conference call yesterday. Uh, Nick Dembski was, was chatting with the media and I said, well, what do you see in Sean McGuire? And he said, well, actually the thing that stands out most to me is his leadership, the way that he commands the huddle, which I think is a really good sign for anybody who, you know, is, is looking at a young quarterback that said it's undeniable that he's completely unproven. And, and as you mentioned, we've seen Zach Kolaris time and time again go down with injury. I don't think the odds of Winnipeg having Kolaris available for 14 games this year is good. Even with the year off, I think there's going to be at least one game where Sean McGuire is the guy. And that's going to be a huge question mark for Winnipeg because they don't have a quarterback tandem like Hamilton, where it's like, oh, well, if Mazzoli goes down, you got Dane Evans, who might be just as good. Uh, or even a, a situation you know, like, uh, heck, I mean, there aren't, there aren't a ton of backup quarterbacks in the CFL anymore with, with a lot of experience, but, you know, even Saskatchewan, you had Isaac Harker start a game late in the year. He saw action in four different games. He got a chance to kind of get his feet wet. Like you're going to a guy who's, who for all intents and purposes has never played like Sean McGuire is a complete 100% raw player. He did. He wasn't, you know, he was in the clubhouse for all of 2019. So he's not a rookie, but he has never played. So certainly that is a, a question mark for Winnipeg. We now get to my favorite team, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They, they seem to, to believe they have their quarterback of the future in Cody Fajardo. They have a ton of weapons around him, but the, the guys protecting him are a little bit different than they were the last time he was playing. I think it's three starting offensive linemen out. You lose some size on the, the defensive side as well with Charleston Hughes uh, gone and Judge is gone as well. Um, I guess the, the main question for Saskatchewan, did they – kind of fill in the, those holes that were left with the off seasons. I don't think they have to be perfectly honest The you know, they, I think they, they really liked Freddie Bishop, the third who was in training camp to take over from Charleston Hughes. He tore his Achilles. I think Tim Williams, former Alabama product was the next man up. He's he's, he suffered a torn Achilles. Um, so they're, they're now down to Keon Adams who spent some time in the NFL. Maybe he's great. Uh, I hope he is great, but he's, he's unproven. Uh, the linebacking core is another huge question mark for me. If you go back to 2019, it was arguably the best core in the, in, in the entire CFL. You had Solomon Alamimian, future hall of famer in the middle weak side. You'd Cam judge, maybe the best Canadian in the, in the entire CFL. And then on the strong side, you got Derek Moncrief, who's an NFL caliber talent and is still down in the NFL. Now you've got a rookie at strong side linebacker. You've got Micah Tights potentially starting at, at, at will, who's, who's a good player, but he's not Cam Judge. And then in the middle, again, you're, you're basically looking at an unproven player where you used to have a Hall of Fame talent. So the linebacking core might be fine. I'm not going to write them off as being bad. All I'm saying is that's a unit that you looked at in 2019 and went, wow, this is, this is maybe the best group in the CFL. And they've got Charleston Hughes playing in front of them. That's, that's ridiculous. And now you're looking at it going, okay, this unit is super young. It, it's super unproven. It has to gel really quickly for this defense to be the same that it was. I think the good news for the Riders is they have Fajardo and all those great weapons that he uses. 
um, at his disposal. Uh, on the offensive side, as long as the O-line is fine, I think the offense will be great, especially with Jason Moss, who I think might be the best OC in the entire CFL. But defensively, yes, I am worried about the Riders, uh, particularly for the loss of, you know, Charleston Hughes and then several of his potential replacements and the lack of depth and just the youth, the unproven players that they currently have in the linebacking core. Uh, I, I'm in a, a CFL group chat and we did our, our predictions. I think the last one came in just a few minutes ago, actually. And literally everyone had BC in last place. Um, so my, my question, I guess, is what needs to happen for the Lions to not have that be their fate? Here's my thing with the BC Lions. I think the offensive line, and maybe it's because I'm a former offensive lineman, but I thought the offensive line in BC got a really bad rap in 2019. Um that's not to say they were great because they certainly weren't, but I think Michael Riley has developed a really bad habit of standing in the pocket forever and waiting until the very last second to throw the ball up 50 yards to Brian Burnham with the hopes of him making a ridiculous catch and uh, taking a hellacious shot. And if you're a quarterback and you're, ju you're just going to stand in the pocket for, you know, you're going to do your seven step drop, nine step drop, and you're going to you know hold on to the ball for three, four, five seconds you, you, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter who's blocking for you. You could have right. Jonathan Ogden and Larry Allen and, you know, uh, Anthony Munoz at, across the board and you're still going to get whacked like, and you're still going to get hurt. Um, so there, they have upgraded the offensive line a little bit. They brought in Riker Matthews, who is a 2019 East division all-star with the tie cats. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so I think that that helps, they also have a new OC, which I think really helps. And Jordan McSimmick, who did some really great things with Mike Riley when they were together at Edmondson. But I think, honestly, the onus is on Riley to fix that issue. Because, yes, the offensive line needed to be improved. Yes, the scheme needed to be improved. But but first and foremost, like this is – and this is also, by the way, this is not something that was new in 2019 for Michael Riley. Edmondson missed the playoffs in 2018. And I think that offensive line – I don't have these numbers in front of me – but if you look him up, I think Edmondson gave up in the neighborhood of 50 sacks in 2018 when he was there. The next season, Trevor Harris comes in, replaces him. The offensive line from left to right is basically identical. Same offensive line. And I think in 2019, Edmondson gave up, I think it was something like 19 sacks. It was by far the fewest in the entire CFL. So again, the scheme didn't change in Edmondson. The O-line didn't change. What changed was the quarterback. And the sacks went down, not by 10% or 20%. Like they were, they were cut in less than half. Like it was an unbelievably dramatic shift. So I think BC, if they are going to get out of the basement, need to rely on Michael Riley to get rid of the football and make faster decisions. Um, I think part of the reason the Lions, and I have them in fifth place too, I think part of the reason that they're at the bottom for a lot of predictions is just because it's really tough to put one of the other four teams below right. them. Um, do I actually think they're a lock to finish fifth? No, I, I think they could climb. I think their receiving core is pretty good. Uh, defensively, their, their, their line is super young, but I know they're really high on a couple of the guys they've found. I think Jordan Williams could be really good at middle linebacker. Their secondary might actually be the best in the CFL. It's a very good secondary. So BC, I, I think, yeah, they could finish higher than fifth. It's just, it's tough to, it's tough to put them below somebody else right now, considering again, just how they, because they were frankly, a distant fifth in, in 2019. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up that point about Michael Riley uh, and we all have to call him Michael Riley this year. Um, yeah. I, I forget it, sometimes, but <laughs> I try. Um, 
if every place you go to, there's an offensive line problem, like at some point, maybe get rid of the ball quicker. Like that, that's, uh, and I yeah. know like that there, there are obviously flaws in, in certain spots and, and I, I don't know BC's offensive line isn't the best in the league, but I don't think it's like 50, 60 sacks bad. And, and so at oh. some point, especially with the athleticism you have rushing the quarterback in this league right now, uh, I think you have to kind of figure out a way to, to do that. If nothing else for your own survival, but for the help of the football team as well. Yeah, and look, I'm not trying to say that Michael Riley is not a good player. He was in right. my top 50 ballot for TSN, and um, he's, you know, he, he's a former MOP. So he, he's a good player, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, th- there's a time and a place to stand in the pocket forever and launch a ball 50 yards down the field and hope that Brian Burnham makes an acrobatic catch. Um, but that is that is once or twice a game particularly if you're down a touchdown and there's a minute left on the clock. That is not what you do three times in the first quarter, 10 times in the second quarter and so on. It, it's, it's, it's a habit with him that I think he needs to break. Um, and let's also recognize the fact he's a 36 year old man, right? He's not a 25 year old anymore. He's a lot closer to the end of his career than he is to the front of his career. And like all CFL fans, I want to see Michael Riley still being a productive quarterback in this league two, four, even five years down the road. I don't want him to, to get carted off the field in 2021 and be done forever. So as you know, I, I, so I'm levying criticism his way, but I'm doing it as much as a fan who just wants to see him have longevity in his career as anything else, because the CFL is a better place when Michael Riley's a part of it. And I want him to stay healthy. And if he does nothing but stand in the pocket, holding on to the ball forever and ever and ever, uh, it's not going to happen. He's going to get hurt again. Moving out east, I don't know if there's a ton to break down with Hamilton. Uh, it's just that they are a very good football team. And even if there's an injury at quarterback, they will still likely remain a, a very good football team. Um, I guess, uh, aside from the, the juggernaut that Toronto has built for 2015, um, is there anything that, could, that Hamilton could do to kind of knock them off of this perch in the east? Here's my concern with, with the Ticats to an extent. They just released their first their, their, their first uh, depth chart today, and there are two spots at which I think you can kind of point and say, oh, that's, that's interesting. One spot is they've got a completely raw left tackle. I shouldn't say completely raw. He was there in 2019. He only started one game, and that's Trevon Tate, who's starting at left tackle. Riker Matthews was, again, an all-star there. Uh, for that team in 2019, um, was a great player out of BYU, is now in BC. I think that's got to be a concern if you're the tie Cats, just because we all know the left tackle spot is so important. And the other spot that I think you kind of point and look at is the strong side linebacker position. This team signed uh, Patrick Levels, we mentioned off the top from Montreal, to fill that spot. He's now gone. And they've got, again, a raw rookie there, Cameron Kelly, uh, who played at San Diego State. I don't believe he has any CFL experience. And I know when I'm looking at a CFL roster, the most important thing that I want to see is a great quarterback. Um, and after that, I, I want to look at Canadians. Does the team have good Canadian talent? Obviously, the Ticats have that in spades. They've got two great quarterbacks. They've got a ton of good Canadians. They draft really, really, really well. But after that, I'm looking, okay, who's the left tackle and who's the Sam? The strong side linebacker. Those are two really, really important positions. And they've got two very fresh faces there. Um, now again, knowing, knowing the tie cats, they're both probably going to be really good, but we don't know that yet. 
Um, Don Unamba was the Sam in 2019 was great, but he's gone. He left uh, uh, for, uh, for Ottawa and free agency. So um, I, I honestly don't really see an avenue for Toronto or Montreal to catch Hamilton. I think Hamilton, you know, I, I guess there's really no such thing in professional sports as cruising through a regular season. But if there is such thing as cruising through regular season in pro sports, Hamilton's in a position to do that. Um, I think they are by far and away the favorite to host the East final. And if they win that game, and I think they will, they're going to be at home for the great cup at Tim Hortons field in December. And that's quite the home field advantage there. Um, Absolutely. It, it, <laughs> it does kind of seem like the, the team that could knock them off that is, um, is Toronto. You, you have the, the Bodog shirt on there. They're plus 850 to win the, the great cup at Bodog. And it, it feels like, you either click on that one and come December, it's, well, of course, look at the roster they built. Of course they won this thing. Or they redid their entire roster. What did you think was going to happen? They're four and 10. Like, <laughs> well, what on earth was it? Like, it's going to it's going to seem obvious either way what goes on in Toronto. But you look at this roster and holy smokes, that if nothing else, it's an impressive depth chart on the website. It is. Um, and historically, bringing in a ton of NFL cast-offs has been a recipe for disaster in the CFL. Um, that's generally the rule is the bigger the name in the NFL, the worse they seem to do north of the border. Now they brought in a ton of guys, some of whom didn't even make it to camp. Uh, Bishop Sankey retired. Martavis Bryan is still on the suspended list. I don't think he's ever going to report, but some of the guys they brought up are getting rave reviews out of camp. Shane Ray, former first round NFL draft pick is one of them. He seems to be taking the CFL very seriously. Um, yes, his goal is of course to get back to the NFL, but I think he's actually going to be starting opposite Charleston Hughes in Calgary when they open their season on Saturday. And I I'm really, really excited to see what he does because obviously he was a first round NFL draft pick for a reason. He basically got kicked out of the league. Well, not kicked out, but he, he wasn't retained in the league by anybody basically because of injury. It wasn't any, you know, it wasn't poor play. He just kept getting hurt in a really, really bad wrist injury. So the fact that he's not, and he's also not 35, right? He, he's not an aging star who was down there for 10 years. He's still, I think he's only 27. Like he's a relatively young player. So if he's young and he's healthy and he's taking the league seriously, then yeah, I think all of a sudden it's like, okay, maybe Shane Ray is, is really a guy. And if you have a, a guy opposite Charleston Hughes with guys like Drake Nevis and Sean Oakman in the middle, and then a linebacking core that features Cameron Judge, You've got uh, you've got Enoch Buamba in the middle. Like all of a sudden, that defensive front seven is really cooking. I I was in a call with the Argos this past week, and I asked Ryan Dinwiddie, "What's the strength of your roster?" And he didn't hesitate. He said, "Yeah, it's our defensive front seven. We're going to get after some quarterbacks." And I absolutely think they can do that. And I think they'll need to as well because on the offensive side of the ball, Nick Arbuckle's got a hamstring. They're they're going to need some time to gel. Um, but we should also remember Nick Arbuckle spent a lot of time in Toronto with some of their biggest weapons. They've got Juwan Breskison, they've got Eric Rogers, um, they, they've brought in DeVaris Daniels. So a lot of their guys who are there, as much as they're new to Toronto, they do have some history with, with Arbuckle as a quarterback. So um, I, 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 put, I put them in second in my predictions because I think they will gel relatively quickly but yeah it's hard to predict because as you said sometimes you can look at the roster and go oh yeah it's easy to see why these guys succeeded but also sometimes the opposite occurs and you go oh my goodness this this what what we thought was a recipe for success was was actually a disaster 
Uh, we're up against it, so uh, don't want to, to go too too much longer here, obviously. Um, Ottawa, I don't think, is even really worth talking about. They're not very good. They're playing for next year. Um, <laughs> anything with Montreal that catches your eye? Uh, Kahari Jones should have been the coach of the year in 2019. I'll go to my grave thinking that. Uh, but I agree anything, with you. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. That was a no-brainer to me. I couldn't yeah, believe or, that. Yeah, Orlando Steinauer. Yeah, his team won more games. Don't get me wrong. I think Steinauer is an absolutely great right. coach. But yeah, if if you make chicken salad with chicken, you know what? Then you deserve to be the coach of the year. And that's exactly what Kyrie Jones did. He wasn't even the head coach in training camp. Yeah, they had Mike Sherman there, and and he got that team to the playoffs. Which and they hadn't been in the playoffs in five years. I think that's something else people are forgetting. That team had not been in the playoffs for five calendar years, and he got them there with no training camp. And uh, Vernon Adams, who let's also remember, was not their week one starter. They started Antonio Pipkin first game of 2019. So, so they, they, they take a backup quarterback, no training camp. And you so I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you there, Peter. I 100 percent agree. Um, yeah, I, I think, and we'll go out on this, but I, I think when they put like those videos together for the, the year end awards, um, Kahari Jones's should have just been like the game law or the, the career stats for, for Adams and just highlighting the 2019 season. Like really, <laughs> really come on now. Uh, but John, thank you very much for this, man. I really, really do appreciate it. I uh, love talking about this league. So hopefully I can have you on again soon. Appreciate it. So there you go. Thank you to John Hodge for giving us the time today. And that's going to do it for the Wednesday show. One more show coming out this week. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X is where the A's would be. And check out their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh music. If you haven't heard enough from me, I'm going to be back on the call for the Okotoks Dogs coming up this weekend. Only a few games left, uh, so check me out at dogsbaseball.ca. And check out our general history podcast. Uh, we had no idea. Comes out every, usually comes out every Wednesday morning with the long weekend. Things delay a little bit. Uh, so that is going to be coming out tomorrow, talking about Olympic scandals. So check us out wherever you got this podcast. You can find that one again. It is We Had No Idea. You can find it on Instagram at We Had No Idea Podcast. All right, that's it. Hope you guys enjoyed the CFL show. Talk to you guys on Friday. I'm out.